welcome you to A Kingdom Perspective. Uh, my name is Steve, and I'm here with Scott. And today we are going to be continuing our conversation on A Kingdom Perspective on freedom of speech. I heard a story this week, a friend of mine telling me about a coworker that, that, that replied to a thread on Facebook, on social media, and uh, with, with a joke, with something that they were joking about, and the their employer caught wind of it that uh, of this of this Facebook post, this social media post, and it ended up costing that person their job. And that I think, in general, in our culture, feels outrageous right now. That I could be fired for something I've posted, for a comment that I made on Facebook or a tweet that I sent out that something that I said on social media ha- should, should have no bearing on my job. We have this idea in mind that, that those two things are totally separate, and my employer, that it's none of their business what I post on social media. I see it in youth ministry with students that, that post, not so much on Facebook anymore because students generally aren't on Facebook, but, but students posting things on social media that they would never tell their parents about and being shocked when their parents or their youth minister or, or another adult or a teacher sees that post, sees what they've put out there to the public, out there for the world to see, and asks them about it. And, and they, they're just they're shocked that someone could connect what they've put on social media with their real life. There's this almost this double, this double life that we're playing around with when it comes to social media, where we have real life and then we have our social media, and we feel like we can say anything we want. Are you, we talked about this last time a little bit, but are you a free market guy like I am in this realm that you you say kind of whatever you want to say and your employer can, you know, accept that or, or let you go or whatever, and we just kind of keep the government off to the side? I am because I believe that our, you know, the First Amendment rights that we have guarantee that the government can't tell me what I can and can't say. But I also believe in free markets that if that my employer is allowed to have rules, to have a code of conduct, and that includes things we won't say, that if I'm going to go out in public and just trash the place that I work, I should expect not to work there very long. Yeah, you're not going to work at McDonald's and tell them that Burger King's hamburgers are better. You know, you're not going to be allowed to say that. Right. And maybe you will. I mean, maybe it's a joke or maybe maybe you actually feel that way. And just, you know, with you and a couple of the other employees, that's one thing. But if you're putting it out there to the world, I mean, you're supposed to represent McDonald's. But instead, you're, you know, you're refusing to do that. And, and there are consequences for that. Hey, you asked me an interesting question earlier about, you know, in in terms of the the free market system, you know, how comfortable am I with an employer letting an employee go over a speech issue of some kind? And by and large, I'm okay with it. But but I will say, because of what you and I do for a living, I am a free free speech guy. I, I definitely am. And so I do get even a little uncomfortable with that is I think by and large, our culture could use to be a little more tolerant of speech by and large. Yeah. Well, and, and as someone who tends to think out loud, I agree with you because there are times when I find myself talking something through and arguing what I think I believe about something. And halfway through the conversation, I have talked myself into 
a different perspective, a different position on an issue. I don't think that's like wishy-washy or I, I, I think that's a strength that, that, you know, that not that I, you know, commit to different positions, but I think being open-minded and able to be convinced that I'm wrong about something, I, I'm proud of that. I, I want to be open to being wrong. I'm not right about everything. Neither are you. And I, I want to, I wish I'm, you would, I'm shrugging. I, I yeah. wish you would have seen the expression no, I just got on that. I, we're no, not I, always I totally right. Agree. We're not right. always right. And we have to be open to being convinced. And if we're going to limit freedom of speech, like if you're saying something that initially I don't like, so I'm going to cut you off and not listen to you. I may be losing the opportunity to gain a valuable perspective, maybe even change my mind and grow in, in a way that's important for me. So yeah, I agree that we need to we need to allow speech to go on longer than we are right now. We just shut it down so quickly. The second we think that it's it's a divergent perspective from the way I think. And, and I think that's a mistake. Yeah, I'll never uh, forget a few years ago, uh, I had uh, I said something in a sermon that I think at the end of the day was misinterpreted by somebody in our church. But it, it, it is what I said, but I, I think they misinterpreted what I, what I was trying to get at. And it was somebody that really has never complained to me before about anything. And they gave me a call and said, I'd like to come and talk to you about your sermon. I really disagreed with what you said. And that happens. People disagree. Right. And he came in and he handled it so well that the next Sunday I offered a retraction. I said, I, I really, I really think that this was uh, I, I shouldn't have said it this way. Yeah. And, and I, I offered a retraction to what I had said just because you know, as a communicator, you always want to be fully understood. Right. Speaking of retraction, uh, I teed and, you up nicely. You did. In, in our last, I didn't want you to forget. Our last episode, uh, Steve used a word, and and I accused him of of making it up. And as it turns out, it's a real word. He used the word conversate, uh, and it made me laugh. And I corrected him. And and I just want to say I was wrong. Indeed, you were. I, and <laughs> and I was I was concerned because I have used the word conversate for years, <laughs> and I was concerned that I'd. Been been using a made-up word, and you know, uh, yeah. But I'm I'm glad to hear that I'm not. So absolutely, I have that tendency to be a little grammar police. Like I have that in me, and and apparently I'm not always right, which is news to me. So, so let's get back your your opening <laughs> story. We'll get back to the social media component of this conversation. Yeah, social media, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all of that stuff. It's really one of the coolest free speech tools in one way that there is. It is that it gives everybody a voice. Everybody. We all are, are given in this country a constant, yeah, a constant voice. <laughs> loud voice. <laughs> all caps. All caps. What do you think social media has done to our free speech? I think it's given everyone a platform. But I think so many people are talking so loudly that no one's hearing anything that anyone is saying. That's a good point. I, yeah. I, I think social media has given everyone a megaphone and... And the volume is turned up so loud that we can't hear anymore. No one's listening. And I mean, we're so fast. I just think about it. Think about how quick you are, not, not you, but like any, any, anyone listening, to block someone, to unfollow someone. Not unfriend. We don't do that anymore because, you know, that would be just awful. To. It would be terrible. The worst thing yeah. ever. But, but no, Facebook you is made just so you don't, you, you don't see their posts. Right, right exactly. Yeah. So, but yeah. think about, think how often do you unfollow someone on Facebook? And when you do that, honestly, why? 
Why, why do you choose to do that? How many, how many people have you done that to? How many people do you just cut their voice off? And it's because, typically, it's because they disagree with me. Or at least disagree with me in a way that I find annoying or repulsive or I, I just can't, it just, it, my temperature rises and I can't handle it. Well, yeah, I think about somebody having the mentality, like on Facebook or social media, that I'm going to just eliminate all the counter views that, that offend me. We've had a lot of people that have tried that throughout human history <laughs> to, 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 not very, to, to, to not very good results. Right. And, of course, I'm being a little bit facetious, but you, you get my point yeah. that you do not want to be a person that lives just eliminating all the counter views. Right. Listen. And I think that I think social media has turned freedom of speech into I have the freedom to say what I want. The problem is none of us listen to anything. And so it doesn't matter if you say what you want. I'm not listening to you. And if no one's listening, then what's the point of saying it? And so I think that I think that social media has just turned up the volume on the noise level in our country to the point where, yeah, you might be free to say it, but no one will hear it. Yeah, the, the other thing I, I think it's done, I think that's an excellent point. I, I think it allows for communication that is stronger digitally than we would, would ever do in person. Oh, I don't know what you mean. I so never it, it, it allows, uh, and to be totally honest with you, you know, I, I honestly don't think I, I do that very much. But, but, but I do observe that it happens a lot. I tend to communicate pretty strongly. In person. <laughs> in person I know. as well. So, uh, uh, you, you know, that I tend to just be, <laughs> I talk with my hands a lot. I, I tend to be a, a passionate speaker, but uh, I, I just was born that way. But it, it does allow for There's that. A Lady Gaga reference for y'all. Yeah. <laughs> you, were born, you were born that way. I was, yeah. <laughs> that... Uh, it allows for stronger communication for, for me to say things online that in a million years I would never say to your face. Right. That, that I, I just wouldn't. Right. But I, but I say it online. Yeah, the anonymity. Um, and, and it's not complete anonymity because a lot of times we know, you know, on Facebook, I know who it is that's saying that. But the, the, um, the almost false, it's almost a false sense of anonymity that I can say this and hide behind my computer because I don't have to observe your reaction. Right. I, don't, I don't have to be there to see how you take it. And it, it's, not, it's not great. It's, you know, it's not good at all. And especially like with, with uh, Twitter or, or things that are more go, going out to the masses. You know, there's enormous problems with people tweeting at professional athletes, just horrible awful things at professional death threats and things I mean like things that should not be allowed things that if you said them in person and and I think even on social media that the you know the FBI would get involved there would be an investigation in into you know whether or not you actually intend to follow through on, on a threat like that and we we are surprised when we well what do you mean that you know I lost my job because of something I posted on Facebook yes for me, the the way I find myself going down that rabbit hole a little bit is sarcasm, to to a certain extent. That I found myself this morning. There, there was on on another one of my friend's pages, somebody was complaining about one of the hits in last night's football game. And it's uh, a bad hit, by the way. I don't know if you saw it. I, I did see it, and I, I got on, and I I had said I didn't think it was that bad of a hit. To be totally honest with you, uh, I I got online and said, you know, just when I've I've looked at it like four or five times. Yeah, you're wrong. But I, and sure, <laughs> he thought so too. And I said uh, I didn't think it was that bad of a hit. 
and he just kind of he went off you know you're, you're crazy are you blind are you whatever and, and uh, what it what it is is that I am an old soul I, I know that I'm like you know in my day we just you know whatever. <laughs> we just hit people as hard as we yeah, could we just, right yeah when, whenever we wanted to and uh, so I know I know that some of it but but then as he was going on I what what my last comment that I made was I said well. I'm not a fan of either team, so I'll just have to be okay with your righteous indignation, <laughs> you know. And, and I found myself like getting, you know, just immediately like sarcastic, right? You know, you you, you have your righteous indignation, right? You know, and I I don't like it when I do that, right? You know what's funny about it that? It comes too easy about about that specific story is everyone is instantly judging intention. It's not just whether. Well, the that's what I was bad. arguing. I didn't see the intention. Yeah. Like it's not just I whether, thought it was unintentional. Right, it's not whether the hit was bad. It's this is a this guy's a bad person. Like we make the leap instantly, immediately to you know to what happened on the field was bad. I think everyone can agree with that. A player went to the hospital. Like it wasn't ideal. It was helmet to helmet. It was. So yeah. he's going to be punished. Right. But I I thought he was making a play. Right. And and that's I guess that's my point is we're so quick to judge intention. You did that because well you don't. We don't know. But when the volume gets turned up and we just stop listening to everything and all it is is just shouting, then that's what happens. We start judging other people's intentions. We don't pause half a second to even let the player explain himself in, in you know, and when he does, we don't believe him. That that we just we lose our minds a little bit on this stuff and start judging everyone. The, the funniest thing to me as as I look at, you know, and it's not just generations, it's just where we are as a culture that that we talk about like the worst thing you can do culturally is to judge me. Except that's all we do all day long on social media. You made a comment to me earlier that you, you think judgment is like the foundation of it. I do. It's the bedrock of it. I do. I think, I think, I think judging other people is foundational to social media. We judge the pictures that they post. We, we instantly judge the comments that we make. We judge whether or not we agree with it. But not just whether we agree. We, may, we pass a value judgment on, on the person's worth and we were, who made we were, the comment. We were talking about like these days that you have a bad experience somewhere, and your first thing is, where's my phone? Yeah. I'm going to post. Right. You're, I'm going to torch you know, this place. I'm, I'm, I'm going to torch flame, this place. Yeah. Flame this place on social media. Why? To, to what end? When it used to be that you'd drive home and you'd say to your wife, that was really terrible service. <laughs> right. And that would be the end of it. Now it's like all day we're looking to see how many likes we got or how many other people had a common bad experience. Right. It's probably not very healthy. No. Well, all right. Let's move on from you know being old old dudes. <laughs> Get off my lawn. About social media. <laughs> let's what, let's talk about the kingdom perspective. Let's continue to talk about uh, about the freedom of speech and and uh, and in the last episode we talked a lot about uh, what, is it is it beneficial? Is it constructive? Um, am, am I under control in my speech? But I'm curious what what does the Bible actually say about our speech? What's well, really interesting because I, the Bible does. You are free in Christ Jesus, but the Bible does seek to rein in your freedoms for the benefit of the gospel and for the benefit of other other people. How dare the Bible? Right. (laughs) So our freedoms in Christ, our freedoms are, we're restricted in in what we can say and do. It's super un-American. It it is a little bit. (laughs) It it is. But there there is a right way and a wrong way, biblically, to use your speech. Yeah. That's true. Well, and and so I mean, like I don't know some of the things you can fill in with some of them, but just off the top of my head, thinking through Scripture, 
the Ten Commandments, I think, are a good place to start, where uh, we're, we're told not to misuse the Lord's name. Uh, that, that, you know, we've, we've always talked throughout history, don't take the Lord's name in vain, but don't, don't flippantly throw out God's name like it doesn't matter. That's, that has to do with our speech. Yeah, to, to, use, to use God's name, it's really not just cursing. It's using God's name as leverage to get your way. Right. So God told me <laughs> right. when, when God didn't tell right. me. Right. God you. told me that you should give me a thousand dollars. Right. So. And he did tell me that. By <laughs> the way. But <laughs> you know, Every you know. Day. But yeah, so, yeah. It's that whole idea of you know, don't misuse God's name that way. Right. Well, and later in the Ten Commandments, that again, it talks about uh, about intentional deception, about that don't bear false witness against someone, that don't. Don't, and that's not, that's more than just lying. Like when we tell the Ten Commandments to kids, we're like, don't lie, but it's more than just lying. It's a false testimony in order to take advantage of someone or tear someone else down. And to hurt somebody. To hurt someone. A lie that hurts. Right. Yeah. Use my, using my language to hurt you, the Bible says, don't do that. That's, that's not an appropriate use of your speech. You're not, you're not free to speak that way. I, I, I don't feel uncomfortable saying it that strongly. The Bible says you're not free to abuse God's name. Right. You are free in our culture. You are. To use God's name in vain. Yeah, that's true. Our culture is never going to punish you for that. True. But God says don't do it. That's right. And and for, for the Christian, the kingdom perspective ends up being what document has authority in your life? Does the Constitution or does the Bible? Which is higher? Because the Constitution says you are free to say almost anything. The Bible says you are not free to say these things. You, you're not free to abuse God's name. You're not free to falsely accuse and, and make things up about other people. You're not free. Yeah, the idea of gossip and slander. Yeah, and gossip. Add those to the, to the list. Exactly, yeah. yeah. You're not yeah. free to gossip and just make things up. Our, our, our culture is not going to punish you for that. No. Our culture makes million do- millions of dollars <laughs> off gossip. <laughs> That's right. So you will not be punished for that in our culture, but right. God says don't do it. Yeah, I mean, the yeah. filthy language and coarse joking the Bible even puts out there. as as You're not free as a Christian to do that, you're not free to use your speech in these ways. You're not free to, to speak evil of other people. You're, you're not free to, you know, you don't have those freedoms of speech as a Christian, as, as, a, as a, a citizen of God's kingdom. God says, don't talk this way. Yeah, so I, I think there's a couple passages that would uh, hit on one, one we read last time, but let, let me share with you Ephesians 4.15. It says, instead, uh, speaking the truth, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. So he talks about using our language uh, to speak the truth. And, and in addition to that, I would... I would t- uh, talk about John's description, the Apostle John's description of Jesus, that he came in grace and truth. That there was this way that Jesus had that he was able to speak the truth, but he was able to speak it with grace. And I think we've got to get better at that. Yeah. I really do. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think one of the great examples of that is the woman caught in the act of adultery. That she's brought before Jesus and she could be stoned for her, for her sins in in that day and in that culture, and that's honestly what they're going to do. Yeah. And, and Jesus is there, and he starts writing in the dirt, 
And he says, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. And everybody starts to leave. The older ones leave first and then the younger ones. And Jesus says, is there anyone here left to condemn you? She says, no one. He says, neither do I condemn you. Now go and leave your life of sin. And he's doing both those things. He's showing her grace and he's speaking the truth. I think we've kind of made those uh, almost enemies of each other. And they're really friends. Yeah. They, they, they really work together. Yeah, well, so the kingdom perspective here is that there are limits on on the way that we use our speech right. as, as Christians, as believers, as, as Christ followers. I, I've always really loved James. The, the book of James talks a lot about the way that we use language, the way that we speak. He talks about taming your tongue, which is, I think, a very appropriate way to think about this. Makes you wonder about, is that something James struggled with? Because he is kind of a leader on it. Right. You know, we're just kind of surmising here, but did he struggle with that? Had he been hurt by it? You know? Why, why did he make why, it such an issue? Right. Why care so much about it? Because he's really great on it. He is. And I've always loved the the analogy that he uses about like a forest fire, that that if you let your tongue get out of control, it's like a forest fire. It's like it's you're like setting the whole forest on fire and it just spreads uncontrollably and does damage that you never thought possible. It's so strong. The the speech, language, words, it's so strong. And I mean, like that, that you know, sticks and stones can break my bro- bones, but words can never hurt me. That's, compl- that's a total lie. Words hurt badly. And, and, you know, language, speech, these things are important. And James says, hey, you know, the tongue is small. It's a, it's a small part of the body, but it's, it has an enormous impact. It has to be kept under control. We have to keep a, a rein on it. He talks about like the way that you put a bit into a horse's mouth so you can steer the horse. You have to be in control of what you say. As a Christian, you have to be. I, you know, the abilities of words to torch. This was uh, years ago. Now we're we're a much more casual church now. Like like we just tend to dress more casually. But years and years ago I had preached a sermon and I thought it I thought it went pretty well, honestly. People came out and gave me some positive feedback about how they had moved and they were moved into kind of touched by the sermon or whatever. And one person walked out and said, You couldn't find a tie this morning? Because I, I was I wasn't wearing a tie. Like you, you could you couldn't find a tie this morning. And guess what I talked about on the way home? That one comment. You know, I had gotten a number of very positive comments, but the one, you know, couldn't find a tie this morning, that's the one I chose to focus on. I don't know why we do that. But but that is, it's a lesson for all of us about the power of words. That, that you know, we really have to be diligent that with our kids and our friends and our coworkers. Right. That that one kind of negative word can really get stuck in somebody's craw. Yeah, and I think it's not that hard. It's not that difficult for us to think back on times just like that where someone said something to me and it ruined my day. It ruined my whole week. And I don't know why. And you keep going over it yeah, for some reason. You do. And I don't know why. Why is it so important? Why does why do they have so much power over me? But they do. That we we let people and the the words that they speak have a lot of power and you have to understand that other people do the same with you. Uh, other people, especially people you care about, your words mean things to them. And you have to choose your words carefully. You can't just be throwing words around. You can't just be throwing the language around like it's nothing. Right. And on the opposite side of that, you know, I also remember being in middle school and I was a really, really shy kid. You know, I'm, I'm really tall and I had grown really fast and I was awkward and clumsy and just kind of shy as a, as a middle schooler. And I remember I got up and gave a speech 
And my teacher said, you could speak for a living someday. I, I really believe you could do that. And I still remember that. Yeah. So you have to think about how you want to use your words. Do you want to give life or take it? I think that's a great way to put it. You know, that, you know, are you building someone up? That's in Ephesians. Are you building someone up or tearing them down? You, you can use your words to, to give life or take it. That's, it. That makes me think of the Sermon on the Mount, you know, where Jesus is saying, you've heard that it was said don't murder, but I'm telling you, if you harbor hatred in your heart, it's the same. You know, it's, you, you're on the road to that. You're on the road to murder. And, and I think that that speech has, has something to do with that, that speech plays into that, that you can assassinate someone with the things you say to them or about them on social media. It doesn't even have to be like directly to you. If I go on social media and trash you, do I think it's not going to get back to you? Of course it will. That's that's an interesting observation. Do do you think we is there a disconnect in a lot of people with that that they don't think it's going to get back or or do you think we we just because it's so far away from the actual person we just don't we care less. I think we're just removed. I th- I yeah. think social media removes us from the relationship. And we don't think about it in those terms. We don't think through consequences. We just do. We just, yeah. we just, you know, can't help ourselves. Uh, but, but to just blast off on social media, and and when the consequences come, we're we're just shocked that it could happen and outraged. How could you right. do this to me? You know, I didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. I, I don't see how you don't see that. Well, yeah. You and I have both told stories from youth ministry of. You go and confront somebody on being at a party or something like that. Like, how did you know that? You posted it. Right. That's how I knew. It's yeah. It's online. You, you, it's you it's put, public. You, right. It, it's you. You put that in a public forum. So, well, let's. Uh, if we can go back just for a minute, I'd like to go back to Second Timothy. I know we talked about it last time, uh, but Second Timothy two twenty three through twenty six. Okay. I think this is another good text on on the power of words. It says, "Don't have anything to do." with foolish and stupid arguments, because you know they produce quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be uh, kind to everyone, able to teach, and not resentful. Here's a really interesting part of this. Opponents, so somebody you opposed, must be gently instructed in the hope that God uh, will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth, and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. Now, uh, this is talking about false teachers in the church, but it's still even something that raises to the level of false teacher, somebody who is using their words to lead someone astray. Right. Paul says opponents must be gently instructed. Yeah. I find that really interesting. Yeah. Well, I think that's another, that that brings up another aspect of how we are not to use our words, that that we are not to use our speech, biblically, to lead someone astray. We're not to use our speech to lead someone down a path that takes them away from what God wants for them. And I think that, uh, I think I think for Christians, we, we don't, in, do that on, on purpose. We don't intentionally do that. But I think there are times where, oh, did this movie, it was a great movie. You yeah. got to see this movie. Right. And then the person goes to see this movie and they're like, wow, that movie had all sorts of things in it that, that offends me, that all sorts of things that, right. that, 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 and, and 
we don't think it through. We don't think, you know, we don't, you don't send an alcoholic into a bar, but we don't think through, we probably shouldn't send this person into that movie because a lot of what that movie deals with, this person struggles with. Yeah. And it, that can be dangerous. Well, and you know what else this, this passage teaches me that, that I really like is it is possible to be oppositional and gentle. That is possible. Right. Opponents must be gently instructed. So it is possible to oppose a view or even oppose something, somebody to oppose a person and to be gentle in that. Right. We don't, none of us does it very well. I was going to say, can you even think of an example? Yeah, I, I, I can think of a few examples where I've read something. Uh, I, th- this happened the other day, and, and it was on this whole race relation thing. A guy I knew back in Michigan, he, he posted something. He's a retired police officer, and he posted something that was pro-police, pro-the-police police point of view that I thought was done in a really gentle way. Yeah. And, I, you know, I think it's, it's powerful yes. when you see it. Because it's hard to argue with that. It's hard to argue, even if you even if you disagree with it. When someone puts it in, puts it, puts something out there in a, in a gentle way, it's a lot more difficult for me to come at them in an aggressive way, right? Because they were so gentle about it. Yeah. it. It makes me want to, okay, I guess I see your point, and that's how conversation can happen, right? And because I, I think a lot of people think so that have maybe been listening to the hour of this conversation or whatever that. So, like, I can't have a point of view. I can't post. I, I can't have an opinion. I, I can't uh, oppose things that I disagree with. No. No. I'm not saying that. I don't think you are either. But there is a way to be oppositional and kind right. and gentle. Well, and— Jesus was. He was. He opposed yeah. things. A lot. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, what's the difference between speaking evil? You know, the Bible, the Bible is clear that you're not to use— your speech to speak evil about someone else. So what's the difference between speaking evil about someone and speaking the truth about evil to someone? How do you, how, what's the difference there? Well, I would drop all adjectives from my sentences, first of all. Like, I, I, I would seek to stop describing the, the, the people with inflammatory language. Yeah. You, you see that a lot, lefties. Yeah. They're just a bunch of lefties, you know, or, you know, the right-wingers. You know, whatever the case Putting may be. you in a category. Put, put, yeah, putting based somebody on your in a category. Opinion. So I would drop the adjectives. Good. That, that's that, good. And, um, and then I would talk about the issue. I would stick, I would do the, to the best of my ability, I, I, would, I would stick to the issue. Right. That there's no need for me to attack you. Right. You're a child of God. Right. You know, we, but, but, we, but we ought to talk about this thing. Right. And it's even good that we disagree about it because we could come out on the other end better for it, yeah. but not if we start speaking evil of one another. Mm-hmm. We, we need to speak the truth about evil. You know, the, Ephesians 4.15 commands us to speak the truth in love, that as Christians, because, you, you know, you, I, I think that, I think that the, the, the mistake that a lot of Christians are making right now that I'm tempted to make is to not speak at all. To, to uh, There's so right. much volume. It's so loud. Uh, and all I want to do is I don't want to engage because nothing good is coming of it. Every time anyone contributes a voice, it seems like nothing good happens, that we just we just sling mud, we just assassinate one another in, in a public forum, and what's the use? 
of, of even joining in the conversation. And, and the use is that the Bible commands it. The use is that the Bible says, speak the truth in love. The use is that in, in Proverbs 31, the Bible says, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. We are called to speak. We right. are called to stand, but not for our own rights. That's the difference. We are standing up for our own rights and demanding that people pay attention to me, hear me, give me what you owe me. And the Bible perspective on when we should speak, when we should stand firm, is to speak for those who can't speak for themselves, to speak for those who are oppressed, to speak for those who are, who are being you know, stomped on in our culture, in our world, to speak up for people who are poor and needy and, and they have rights, but no one's speaking for them. That's who we need to be speaking for, not yeah, me. That James, goes back to James, that this is the religion that God views as pure, looking after widows and orphans. Right. To, the disenfranchised. That's right. That's right. And I, I, I saw, that's I, good. I, I very much appreciated. I saw a post about this from a, a friend of mine that I went to, to school with a long time ago. And, and this was the perspective that as a Christian, I need to care about people who are being oppressed. I don't need to stand for my rights to demand anything for myself, but I am called, commanded to stand for those who are being oppressed to stand in the gap, to stand in prayer, you know, to, to go to God and, and appeal to God on their behalf, but also to stand in public uh, for, for, for them, for their rights, for, so that they get what they, they need. Uh, and as a Christian, we, we can't not say anything. We can't go through life all the time and just not say anything. But I think that a lot of times when we do say things, we're saying them just very selfishly. Give me what you owe me. You know, I, I demand my rights. I have the freedom of speech. I should be able to say these things. And I think biblically, the idea is when we speak, we speak for those who, who don't have a voice. Right. Yeah, I think that's really good. And the, the, the last thing I would, I would say to people on, on this whole, on a, a self-evaluation piece of this, and this is probably going to maybe tick a few people off. I, I don't know. But I would, I would ask you that if you're a Democrat and you never found yourself disagreeing with President Obama, or if you're a Republican and you never find yourself disagreeing with President Trump, it feels to me like you're you have fallen into protecting a party versus independent thinking, and because we we should be thinking through critically um, the the decisions our leaders are making and the, and the way that they're living and operating, and there there should be I I mean I think I've probably disagreed uh, on on multiple things with every president we've had in my adult life. I, I mean you, you shouldn't be. I think party line falling into a party line hurts this conversation. Yeah. I really do. I think we have we've so been driven to camps and we need people to back away from the camp a little bit and try to meet and turn away from that camp and face each other and have a conversation. Right. But like you're saying, because the kingdom perspective is that my allegiance is to the king. My allegiance is to Jesus. Correct. Not to a political party. My allegiance is not to one party or the other. My allegiance is not even to country. I, I love my country. 
I, I appreciate the freedoms that I have in this country. I wouldn't want to live anywhere else, but my allegiance is not to this country. My allegiance, and that's evident, that evidenced by the fact that I submit to the Bible above the Constitution. Yes, I have the freedom to say what's on my mind. Jesus above the president. Jesus above the president. I have the freedom to say what's on the on my mind. I have freedom of speech. And maybe my employer won't like it. And they have the freedom to 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 discipline me and 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 even you know to fire me. That's up to them. But I have the freedom to say what's on my mind. But because my allegiance is to a higher authority, I don't always say what's on my mind. I don't say it if it's slanderous to another person, if it would tear them down. I don't say it if it's unwholesome talk. I don't say it if it's gossip. I don't say it. I choose to hold my tongue because I love the Lord. And and that is the kingdom perspective here. Can you say it? Well, according to the country you live in, the answer is yes. But because your allegiance is to a higher authority. The kingdom perspective is there are many, many things that you could say that you choose not to. And on that note, let's end this today. We want to thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time on A Kingdom Perspective.